0: Hey, drama listeners, it is Dylan. We are so excited to share this episode with you today. It has Andrew Durand, who is making you all swoon in Shucked, the musical on Broadway right now. But he has been a standout in so many other shows already. He was in Ink. He was in Head Over Heels, of course, and Spring Awakening, The Burnt Park Boys, Yank. So many amazing shows over the years. And he is so fun and easy breezy and chill. You're really going to love this conversation. And thank you to everyone who has been supporting us by joining the Patreon lately. We have welcomed some amazing new people to the Drama Plus fam, which you can just join by checking out the link in the episode notes below. It's $5 a month for bonus episodes and close friends access. Con and I have a blast with it. And I think that everyone who's a part of it does too. All right, enough from me. You want to hear from Andrew? Let's get on with the show. Press play, curtain of an hour in. It's time to take in the shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we, we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama Drama Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love and life. I am Connor McDowell and I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, happy Friday. It's crazy hot in the city. It's been a weird couple of days in terms of heat. Actually, last night I went to a concert. Maggie Rogers did a show at Forest Hills stadium in Queens, which I've never been to that venue before. Did you just take the subway all the way I just, there? I just took the E straight there. It was so easy. And um, Louis Tomlinson is performing there tomorrow night. Wow. I just felt the need to say that his show is, he's bringing it to the Big Apple. I was very close to randomly attending Louis Tomlinson's concert in Columbus, Ohio, because you know, as, as lifelong directioners, we, we follow the lads wherever they go. <laughs> But I ended up going to a baseball game that night instead. Whoa, so. the roads we travel. I know. Well, I was curious to maybe see what ticket prices were like because I liked the venue and I'm intrigued by what his solo artist stage presence and music is like. But- Yeah, that sounds lovely. I feel like One Direction's been in my life randomly in a big way lately with Zane doing Call Her Daddy, with Louie performing at Forest Hills, with Niles' new album coming out a few weeks ago, with Harry finally ending the Love on, the Love on Tour? The Love on- Yeah, Love on Tour, yeah. Love on Tour. What's Liam doing? Um, He does like a lot of charity football matches in the UK. Love. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So the concert was good. Did you have a good time? She has such great stage presence and the music's amazing. She did this thing where she was trying to be like very vintage and like 70s summer of love. So she released the tickets. You had to buy them in person at the stadium for like the first block because she wanted to eliminate like Ticketmaster fees and scalpers and all that stuff which i think is so chic totally but then the rest of it was sold online so i did purchase my ticket online but the concert was great but then there was all this crazy lightning at the end and literally no one moved i mean it was getting so close but no one was leaving and then she was doing her second encore and she was like the people in my ears are telling me we should probably evacuate but i want to do one more song for you and i was like oh i think we're gonna go you think this is the way that it ends this is this is how (laughs) we go out at a maggie rogers concert well on a metal bleacher in 90 degree heat during a lightning storm it felt shocking i mean literally it could have been so we ran away but i heard that the people who didn't leave soon enough had to actually stay at the stadium because of shelter and stuff so we made it home baby wow you followed safety procedures and got out of there yeah it was so fun it was like a fun summer night i love it i'm so glad yeah i don't want to waste too much more time before we jump into this episode Mm -hmm. we have a really exciting guest today Mm -hmm. and the vibes are great yeah i mean we love this guy we love we love we love and he's in the summer's hottest broadway musical comedy splash Mm -hmm. not to be confused with the shark is broken which i don't think is a comedy but it is a splash Oh, i don't know We'll find out about that one soon, I think. Yeah, yeah, Tease for upcoming guests on the pod. But anyway, I'm gonna read the intro and then we're gonna bring our guest in. Bring him in. All right, so our guest today stars as Bo in this season's Broadway comedy sensation, Shucked, for which he was nominated for a Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Lead Performance in a Musical. His soaring tenor vocals and genius acting chops have also been showcased in Head Over Heels on Broadway, where he played Musidorus and Cleophila. If you know, you know as well as on the main stem in Ink, War Horse as Albert and Spring Awakening as Georg. Off-Broadway audiences have seen our guests in The Robber Bridegroom, Love's Labor's Lost, Gigantic, The Burnt Part Boys, Yank, The Wild Bride, and more. He made his West End debut in The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I hope I said that right. And appeared in the films One December Night and Here Today. Television credits include Madam Secretary, NCIS, New Orleans, Law and Order, Organized Crime, and Servant on Apple TV we're mad about him, and you will be too. Please welcome to drama, Andrew Andrew Durand. Durand. Hello.
1: Yay. Thank you for having me.
0: We're so happy to have you here. Like I said before, we adore you. You are, you know what? I made this statement to my boyfriend yesterday in the car while listening to the Shucked album. I said, he is the hardest working tenor in the Broadway business. (laughs) Yes,
1: I am. After having gone and sung that song and you know, 95 degrees in Bryant Park yesterday morning. I can, I can attest to that.
0: Oh, oh my God. Goodness. Wait, so you <laughs> On my own
1: behalf. <laughs> they're they're show
0: ponying you as the press guy for the show now. So you, what did you do? Somebody will, or did you do okay?
1: We did, we did somebody will. Okay. It went really well, but it's, you know, it was my first time singing it with a track and not, <gasps> uh, you know, a live musician. And that's hard because the, the whole top of the song is just sort of open chords and they just sort of follow me as I go. So I had to like, Memorized the timing of the one that they made, which is based off of a performance that I did in Utah out of town. So it was just like, <laughs> Oh, whatever you were feeling that night. That's what this is. So
0: <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. So and you did Broadway and Bryant Park. So you can relate to this sweltering New York weather.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Well, we had a great time yesterday. There were about like six or seven of us there. And Tracy Lane Lee uh, sang Maisie's stuff. And Miki Abraham sang uh, Lulu's song. So everybody killed it. It went great. People like lit up for Shucked. You know, it was fun.
0: That's kind of been the vibe for Shucked, Andrew. People are loving it.
1: Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It just, it it feels um, so special and different and sort of, um, you know, I guess I want to say boutique, but because it's like um, accessible, you know, just like, I don't know, you, you, you hear those songs and they're like, so um, they could be standalone pop songs on the radio, you know, which makes them so fun. Totally. And then the jokes are just, you know, the the theater's on fire every night. It's so fun.
0: Yes. Also, I love the Nederlander theater. I love that there's a, a big comedy there. Like, that theater, appeals feels intimate, but I mean, it's big at the same time. And I mean, the roof does get blown off for multiple reasons. The vocals, but as you mentioned, the jokes. Robert Horn's book is... You miss the next joke because you're laughing at the one before. It's wild. I know.
1: It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's unparalleled. He's just... He was so great to work with. He's so smart and he loves actors. So he's so open to being playful and trying different things. And, you know, you throw an ad lib in here and there, he might add it into the script. <laughs> he would never admit to that, but you know, some of them are- uh, Of course. Little ad-libs in there. Yeah, it's funny. He's, he's created a, a story where there are characters who get to just sort of like enjoy each other on stage. So, and that's really um, fun for an audience, I think, to watch us enjoying each other. It makes them enjoy us more. And we're all just mutually having this theatrical experience together
0: oh I love the way that you said that I mean in the Tony's performance I think really celebrated all the different elements that the show has to offer too so that was that was a lot of fun a nice medley moment
1: yeah yeah that was really fun I'm so glad they did that instead of just sort of picking one number it's, it's very um our brand you know to just sort of like throw something together that's fun and yeah that that was really fun to do
0: had you done the tonys and had you done broadway and brian park before
1: i think i've done broadway and brian park but it was years ago i can't remember what it was for it could have even been spring awakening actually okay so that would have been like in 2009 or something
0: uh-huh. and then wow. not
1: to age myself too much not at all though. not at all not
0: at all that was but, definitely um, when we first became familiar with you though was yeah that awakening. was when you splashed onto the scene as part of the new class
1: yeah. And and literally speaking of class, that was like, I had just graduated college like two weeks before. I had been auditioning for Spring Awakening my whole senior year. I went in like five or six times. And then I guess like Michael Mayer became a fan of me and they put me in the first American Idiot workshop, but they mm. never used me in that show. But soon after that workshop, they called me in and they were like, well, I think it's time for you to come. Being spring awakening, it was it was a wild experience. I remember I showed up to the theater. The, my final callback was at the theater because the only cool. person I hadn't met was um, Kim Briggsby, the music director, and they're like, she just has to sign off on you. So what I had to do was like go wait inside the stage door and like sit on the stairs. And I saw everybody who was doing the show, the whole original cast, like walking in and signing in, looking at me like, who's this guy? And then Kim Briggsby, I love now. We we've, we've worked on head over heels together as well, but. Um, you know, upon first meeting to a young, fresh college grad, she was she can be intimidating. So she came in, she looked at me, she's like, maybe Andrew? We're like, Yeah, she's like, come on with me. And we went to her dressing room. She had a piano in there. We like sang through Touch Me and some of the Georg songs. And uh, then the producer, Tom Holse popped his head in the room and they looked at each other and nodded. And he was like, OK, well, welcome to Spring Awakening. And I just like, oh got gosh. the job backstage <laughs> like that.
0: Isn't that cool? I've never heard of anything like that before.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was wild. I mean, I guess it was because I had done all those auditions. I had auditioned for like every role in Spring Awakening. And then even then they were like, we don't know. Let's just put him in this American Idiot thing. And then, you know, eventually a role opened up. So
0: That was probably an exciting time to be finishing up school. Did you study musical theater?
1: I did, yeah, at Boston Observatory.
0: Yeah, you're like finishing up at BOCO. You're a musical theater major. And Spring Awakening was the show of the moment to be a young person. And so I imagine that was, I mean, I don't want to dream for you, but probably a dream come true to jump into the most popular show on Broadway at the moment. I mean, did you, had you seen it before you started going into audition for it?
1: I, I hadn't, you know, I, I mean, you're right it was very fortunate timing that there was this huge smash hit broadway show that was actively looking for new people and you know because it's hard to get a job like that right out of school but just luckily there was there you know they were looking to replace the whole cast so there was an open call in boston and i admittedly i don't know i was very like focused on the sort of small black box theater student directed shows at mm-hmm. my school i was very much in that niche and i wasn't too aware of what was happening in new york but luckily you know there's all different types of musical theater students so a lot of my friends were like oh this show spring awakening is like a big deal and they're coming through and doing an open call in boston like come on we got let's go let's go do it and i remember it was on on a saturday and i was like, you guys you are we really gonna sacrifice a whole weekend day to go do this but you know i'm glad that that we all did you gotta have good friends you know yeah
0: Yeah. oh that's so funny (laughs) who did you want to play because you mentioned you auditioned for a lot of the characters
1: um oh my gosh i originally was called back for hanshan i remember
0: probably because of this
1: intense brooding dramatic face um
0: (laughs) you do have a very um, dramatic angular face andrew it's very killian murphy vibes in oppenheimer
1: yes thank you you know, I, I get like recognized for so many people that I'm not all the time. Matthew Gray Gubler is one I get oh, all the Oh, I could time. see that.
0: Yeah, I could see that for sure.
1: You know, classically, old school, I used to get Steve Zahn all the time. Oh, 100%
0: okay. Steve Zahn. Now I'm getting...
1: <laughs> I don't know his name, but the actor from um, Ozark—he uh, plays like the young, younger boy who's like. You know,
0: I've av- somehow avoided Ozark except for at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. dinners when family members tell me about it.
1: Oh, there you go. Well, you know, you you can watch it so you have something to talk about at the family dinner. That's true.
0: That and Yellowstone—is <laughs> it good? Did you did you watch Ozark? I did.
1: Yeah, I liked it. I mean, you know, it was one of those. It was very kind of like Breaking Bad. Maybe right. I'm mentioning another, but it, you know, very sort of intense. To where, like, each episode at the end, you're like, Why am I watching this? But I can't wait to see the next one.
0: And Laura Linney, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. So yeah, that's worth the price of admission. That's so funny. Okay, so you have these very defined features. So I could see Hanshin as being an option. But I yes. I, I think Georg worked. I could have seen Moritz, although you covered Moritz, right?
1: I did cover Moritz, yeah, but I never went on. But we, um, they announced closing, and I still hadn't rehearsed it yet. And I guess I remember I was just like an eager beaver, if you will. And they were like, do you want to still rehearse this? And I was like, yeah. So I don't know, we still... I still rehearsed it um but that was when i did like my big final broadway callback this is around where they had brought uh like 70 kids in from all over the country and put us all up in the pennsylvania hotel and we had like a three or four day rounds of auditions where it was like big movement call and then you'd like meet with the creative team do some acting and vocal coaching and then the final callbacks were on the stage and they like gave us the microphones and all this stuff that was the day when I read like three parts and then finished with reading Moritz. And of course, that part is like the part of the show. And mm-hmm. I wanted that. I really wanted that part, but I was so happy to just like be in the company and I had such a great time. I had a friend in it already who was in my class in college and got the part, got in the show like the year before I did.
0: Oh, who was that?
1: Jesse Swenson.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember Jesse. Yeah. yeah.
1: And he went on to, um, Be an Adams family. Uh, Gerard Canonico was playing Moritz. Mm -hmm. He covered he covered Moritz in the original company, and then they moved him up, and he was just so great. We had such a good time, and we were all these like young kids with money on Broadway in the city. Like, we were, we were living our best lives. It was cool.
0: Oh, yeah. That's that's amazing. And Caitlin Kinnanen was in it as well. That that yep. group of replacements. And Alexandra Sosha,
1: Alexandra Sosha, Alice Lee. Was yes. In it. Yeah, it was a really great
0: group. Connor and I are huge Spring Awakening fans, so thank you for indulging us on that Well, one. I also have to say, yeah. Jesse Swenson was famously in Gossip Girl as well. For those, yes. you know, yeah. That was... Oh, yes, he Huge was. for theater kids who were in the closet watching Gossip Girl and simultaneously on the Guilty Ones fan forums at the time. We all knew that Jesse was on, Matt Doyle was on, you know, it was a time. Yep. What was your experience with the fans? Because I know that like Caitlin was open with us about a lot of the comparisons to the original cast and the fans were very emboldened because of the online sort of chatter about Spring Awakening. Do you remember that being a positive experience for you or kind of blocking out the noise?
1: I, I guess I kind of blocked out the noise. I, I don't recall much about it. I mean, I sort of have a bit of a natural water off a duck's back to quote, um, you know, what's her name from
0: Jinx Monsoon. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jinx.
1: <laughs> I sort of have a natural quality of that. Like I, I I didn't I never really um paid too much attention to what people were saying online or what but yeah, it was interesting to replace in a show where the fans already felt like they had so much ownership over what it was to then come in and it's interesting because you're the one doing the part, but they make you feel like they have more ownership over it than you do but you know i think they they grew to love all of us and i think it was probably hard because everybody changed the whole cast changed overall at once Mm -hmm. so you know it it was a big shift i remember there was one time like this there was this person who would hang around and try to like hear over here where we were going to go hang out or things like that and they started showing up at those places and we had to be like hey you you can't that yeah and this is this was a person not not a young person either someone who's like you know older i have no i mean my my judgment of age when i was you know 21 i don't know but
0: <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> but yeah i mean it was interesting it was wild to to experience that for the first time
0: what was that like being 21 starring on broadway freshly in new york like where would you guys go hang out where would you get followed to connor's asking <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: It was funny because I was like the oldest one of the oldest in the cast because most people hadn't even gone to college or were plucked from college but you know New York City even back back then even more they weren't like IDing people or anything but I don't you know we went to like one of our friends lived in the Wayland who that was you know it's like a building um. Like near Kodama, where Kodama Sushi used to be, and stuff like that, across from the Al Hirschfeld.
0: Yeah, rest in peace.
1: Yeah, I know. So we we would go hang out there, do some parties. I know Brian Charles Johnson had a place on the Upper West Side. We would go hang out there because all the casts were very incestuous because the mm-hmm. tour started at the same time we did. So everybody was like there rehearsing and crossing over at the same time. We used to go to um, Vintage a lot. You remember oh, that bar, yes. it's now, now Atlas Social Club. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a fun spot, O'Flaherty's, oh, which also is now gone, the old yeah. Irish bar on 46 that like took up, it was, the biggest place ever those are kind of what i remember
0: like the old golden era yeah yeah and then that was only like six or seven months right because spring awakening it was that year when everything sort of closed a lot of things closed that january
1: it must have been the summertime that i started because i just graduated Mm -hmm. and then yeah jane yeah closed in january
0: yeah do you remember that period then of like you're riding high and then all of a sudden unemployed.
1: You know, I guess I didn't like, I mean, I, I learned about unemployment. I was like, wow, yeah. free money from, from the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're like, yeah, you just fill these things out. And I was like, wow, who knew, you know, yeah. all these things, these financial things that should really be taught. in in the schools, school is like, mm-hmm. especially, um, you know, artists, colleges and things like that, because, you know, unemployment is an unavoidable right. thing of, of what we do. But yeah, I mean, I guess like, because again, I had gotten lucky, I had like got that job, I had saved up some money. So I was ready to just like, okay, well, now I just audition and all that stuff. And, and you know, everything is 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 a great stepping stone. I mean, nothing is ever linear. And you're never like constantly on the rise. But because I had met the people who cast spring awakening, they then were like trying to get me in my next job. And they did eventually, I got like an off-Broadway show like a few months later. So, you know, it's good to be a hard worker and keep up your relationships, be, be a good company member, you know?
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, and Connor listed all your credits. You've been working steadily since. We kind of jumped right into things.
1: I know. I should bring you guys with me wherever I go. So this is Andrew Drett.
0: <laughs> Listen, be careful what you wish for. Okay. Yeah, we'll start following you places then. But I'll be the Spring Awakening Stage Door fan who is... Yeah. Was- <laughs> Thank you.
1: I've been feeling lonely. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was the off-Broadway show that you booked after Spring Awakening?
1: I believe it was Burnt Part Boys. Okay. Which was Chris Miller and Nathan Tyson wrote the music. And that's the most memorable aspect of that show to me. The music was so good. It's one of my favorite cast albums that I'm on. It's one of the ones where like I'll be walking around and somebody will come up and be like, oh my gosh, in college my friends and I were obsessed with like putting on that album and that was the first time I was like oh that's cool that I get to be like a part of that fabric now because I remember in college this the soundtracks that people were obsessed with and all mm-hmm. that but that show was it was a really fun show I worked on that for uh, a couple years it was also my first exposure to like creating a new show and it, you know trying it out in different places we went out to the New York stage in film and we did it at Playwrights Horizons and we did it at the Vineyard Theater downtown for like a few weeks and some of the creative team changed along the way and cast changed along the way. And that was my first experience with like going through a journey with a new show like that.
0: That's cool. And it's pretty rare for a show, like especially an off Broadway show to get a cast album. So that's pretty lucky as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess like, yeah, I don't know who paid for it, but there were, <laughs> somebody. the music, the, mu- the music was <laughs> really good and they were passionate about making an album out of it. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, it was
1: very like bluegrass and unique. So I guess they wanted to immortalize it.
0: Yeah. We we jumped into things. We like to kind of meet our guests where they're at. I mean, I mean, I know that you you survived the heat yesterday with Broadway and Brian Park, but we do like to kind of just check in. Andrew, are you well?
1: Yeah, I would say I am well. I I'm going on vacation next week.
0: Ooh. Yes, yeah, so I'm going
1: to Costa Rica.
0: That's fun. Mm.
1: I mean, I'm having a little bit of guilt. There's always, it's always hard to leave your show, you know, because you're like, oh my God, I mean, but that's like ego too, that you have to put aside. It's like mm-hmm. the show will go on and even better, like my understudies will get the opportunity to go on and have their friends and family come and see them. And it's something yeah. they've been working on for months. So, you know, it's, it's a, a mix of emotions and I'm one of the first to take a vacation as well, which makes me like self-conscious about that. But. I've also, you know, I say yes to everything. I, mm-hmm. you know, I I did Bryant Park. I, I, I show up to all of the extracurriculars that they ask of me, basically. Um,
0: Doing this podcast.
1: Yes, there you go. <laughs> I just, you know, I take on the responsibility of being a lead in the show as you, you're also, you know, it's, it's a little bit of politics. Like you're a representative of the show and you have to be ready for that responsibility when you accept a leading role in a, a Broadway show is that, you know, the livelihood of, of everyone in that building and a hundred other people outside of the building sort of rests on our shoulders. And and we have to, you know, be ready for that responsibility and and show up. So I'm excited for vacation because that burden has been heavy and it's my first, it was my first time going through an award season with a show, a new show because head over heels closed before award season, it even got to award season. So yeah, it's been a lot from the extra press to like, you know, awards and dinners and all these things, you know, um, ceremonies, it's it's um it's a lot. And that and now we're in like stasis two of like the show is just running. We're we're in the grind now and it's really fun and we're hoping ticket sales keep going. But um Me too. Yeah, I'm feeling happy but also ready for like a little bit of a rest and reset.
0: Yeah. You deserve it. You'll have to make sure you come back still with a farmer's tan though, because <laughs> we'll Bo, we'll yeah, Bo might, right? you know take his shirt off when he's working the fields, but
1: yeah. Sort of that half shirt thing though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that is the yeah. <laughs>
0: what are you going to do in Costa Rica? We're
1: going to, um, uh, I'm going with my girlfriend and her, one of her longtime friends from Florida where she's from is getting married there. So we're going to spend the first like a few days at this villa, near a national park that's popular there i i I don't know anything She planned all of it um (laughs) but i think there's like i know i know it's very nice for I, i think there's some excursions we're gonna do like atv rides and zip lining and things like that like so fun i'm not great at just like laying on a beach i like to sort of you know do a lot of activities that's that's you know that's rest and recharge for me. So yeah. And then the second half of the week, we're going to go stay on this, in this yurt on a cacao farm. That's like on a, <laughs> on an <laughs> elevated platform. There's like a little jacuzzi on the platform and like an outdoor shower. And, oh, wow. and they'll like, They'll take you around the farm and talk to you about cacao if you want and stuff so yeah and that's near a volcano with some hot springs so you know just Ooh. just some hikes in nature and have to try to not touch the poison dart frogs because they're going right. to be so pretty but you know <laughs> deadly
0: so, is this like a wedding that's happening there or is this like a
1: yeah it's like a wedding that's it's a wedding that's happening at, at this this small villa so oh
0: that'll be so fun it yeah. sounds amazing wait so tell me tell me about this girlfriend how did you meet her how long have you been together are you in love
1: so lisa feingold is her name she's the swing dance captain at wicked oh yes. yeah. and we we went to the same college, but I, she was a freshman when I was a senior. But she was from the same town as one of my good friends in college, so she, she, she kind of hung out with our group every now and then. But that, but that was just friend vibes back then. And then,
0: did you like think she was cute though? Were you kind of like, oh, there's Lisa? Yeah, I mean, she was cool.
1: She was, she was a good head. I remember that. Mm-hmm. and then we were doing um neighboring off-broadway shows she was doing um trip of love Mm -hmm. which was like a wild sort of 60s dance medley show um and i was doing gigantic a couple doors down there was a friend in my show that also went to boco and was like oh lisa feingold's over there and And i was like oh lisa feingold and i got on facebook you know the old days and i I was like oh there she is. Let me send her a message. And we went and had a drink and that that was it.
0: Oh, that's so special. I love that you rekindled after all those years. Yeah. I love it. Okay, wait. So you were in Gigantic. Was Bonnie Million in that as well? Yes. Okay. So that was that your first time working together? I think it was. Yeah. So we did that. Yeah. And then Head Over Heels. Which Connor and I just loved.
1: Oh, I loved it too. I can't remember the timeline of that though. Like how close together those were. And if Bonnie and I were like, chit-chatting like oh are you are we doing this thing together you know i can't remember that quite
0: when did head over heels first come into your life andrew
1: let's see i was while i was doing Robert bridegroom which one was that even that was like january of some year maybe 2018 2017. i just remember because i was in in my dressing room down in the laura pels theater which is like down in a basement black box And my phone started ringing, and a few things went through my head. Like I was like, "Who even calls people anymore?" Um, I was like, "You know, I get a phone call like once a month, maybe." Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I was like, "Wow, I have service down here!" And I picked it up and turned it over, and it said, "Michael Mayer." I was like, "What?" And you know, I hadn't heard from him since in years since Spring Awakening. I answered the phone. He's he was like, "You remember how I..." told you I was gonna call you when I had a part for you Well, I have one come do it. It, it was an offer to come play me when we did we did like a two week workshop out at New York stage and film at Vassar College. Mm-hmm. It was the first time he was coming on board as director, because they had done Bonnie had done the version of it that was out in Oregon years prior, okay, with a different creative team. So yeah, he, uh, and that that happened to be just like a few weeks after um, Robert Bridegroom was closing. So it worked out. I was like, yeah,
0: hell yeah. Was it always called Head Over Heels? Did Or wasn't did it have a different title at the time? I can't remember that. But I know that it went through a lot of changes over the years, right?
1: Yes, for sure. For sure. When we started, I mean, there's a lot of drama online about this too, you know, with Jeff Witte and...
0: Oh, right, right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know Real what drama. happened. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I, I sort of like kept myself out of it. Bonnie was way more in the middle of it because she and Jeff were really close because mm-hmm. they had they had done it together out in Oregon and he had sort of written the part for her. And I mean, as I understood it, when we were in um, working on it at New York Stage and Film, they kept trying to get Jeff to come out over that two week period and, and work on it with us. And, you know, kept sending invitations and I guess flights kept getting missed or something. And, you know, things kept coming up. There was like, reasons that Jeff couldn't make it out, which I don't know what those reasons were or anything, but it just kind of never happened. And then by the end of it, I think his lawyers came out there and they just like made a deal on how to move forward yeah and i know it was hard for bonnie because she was sort of caught in the middle of it
0: that's tricky it's like you mentioned even with burnt fart boys like when creative team members change and things can the fabric of a show can really change over time and the theater business is so small that it's probably tough when people switch out or even when cast members don't make it from workshops to the, the big thing at the end
1: absolutely yeah and you know a lot lines can get easily blurred in creative spaces because it's like everybody's giving input it all melds together so you kind of lose track of you know who owns what who's you know who's responsible for what intellectual property and things like that you know
0: as a creative yourself how do you not take things so personally and just continue pursuing the work do you have any best practices for how to push through all of that
1: I mean I do take things personally, I guess I will say. (laughs) Same. That's why I'm
0: asking. I'm like, water (laughs) off a duck's back. Water off a duck's back.
1: Yes, I know. I know. (laughs) But you know, like, ultimately, I guess it's just the passion of doing the thing that brings me back to it. You know, like, at the end of the day, all the bullshit melts away and my the core of my passion and love for this art form and this community remains, you know, like, we can all be frustrating to each other. But you know i i don't know i i believe in everyone's um that everyone has the the want for like the greater good of whatever piece we're working on and things like that so i don't know yeah i think that's that's the answer i just kind of try to tap back into my passion
0: i love that and doing head over heels you guys make it to broadway you're in the beautiful hudson theater was that a fun experience for you
1: yeah yeah Yeah, it was amazing. You know, that was my, that was really, I mean, uh, other than the West End show I did, that was really my first time like going through the whole process and opening a brand new Broadway show. I'd done it, you know, off Broadway a few times and things like that. But um, yeah, it felt really special. And like the fact that the Go-Go's were so involved, they were there all the time. They were at a bunch of rehearsals. They really just like loved the show and loved the cast. So yeah, it felt really special. And to be a part of a show that was so ahead of its time, you know, if it opens now, I feel like it would run for years. But I'm so I'm so happy and grateful that we created a show that is being done everywhere now, and providing such an opportunity for young gender fluid people to see themselves and play parts that they want to play and things like that. You know, it's just, I think it's even it's done more good that it sort of did its small little stint on Broadway. And now is like, released to the world and to the people of, you know, the many beautiful theater people of, of the country.
0: Right. Yeah. I got to see an amazing local production last year and it was, or maybe two years ago. And it was, it was just that, you know, you have your, like your local drag queen stepping in as the Oracle role and, yes. you know, just so Hithio. many cool opportunities, Hithio. Hithio. <laughs> yes. Hithio, thank you. I'm like, yeah. just, I'm grasping at straws here. There are a lot you, of you got it. names.
1: Oracle works. That's yeah. That they were. <laughs>
0: and how was it working with peppermint we had her on the show a couple years ago and then of course we talked about this beforehand met you on the street with her one time and you two have stayed friends it seems
1: i love peppermint we you know we are we're an odd couple for sure you know like you wouldn't (laughs) you wouldn't see us or know us separately and be like oh these two are going to be best friends but we like we go to movies all the time just the two of us we go meet at the diner just the two of us we're just you know she's such a um a beautiful person she's so Open and passionate and in the moment. And um, she is high maintenance, but does not put it on anyone else, which I find <laughs> fascinating. And so I respect it so much because there are so many people who are high maintenance and make it everyone else's problem. But Peppermint knows that she's high maintenance, but she takes care of her shit herself, you know? Yeah, I respect. <laughs> yeah, I just love that about her. She's, you know, she'd be like, honey, I can't, I'm not walking. I'm going to take a car. You want to get in? You know, like. <laughs> just like, she knows what she needs and she takes care of it, but, but she's just such a, um, a beautiful, supportive, open spirit. And I just, I love having her in my
0: life. Yeah. That's so special. And I have to say, we told Gray Henson that we were chatting with you today and he said very similar things about you. He said, you're a, a true ally, which I thought was such a sweet thing to say oh. about you.
1: <laughs> oh, that is nice. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. He likes the way I text him. Cause I use, you know, I'm like, hun girl. <laughs> Babe, you know,
0: I feel like an accent just came out. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, I'm from Georgia. I mean, I grew up in around the Atlanta area. So you know, there's a lot of it's not all too Southern there. But I've been I've been playing a lot of Southern roles in over the years. and
0: Yeah. And Gray is from Georgia too, right?
1: Yeah, he's from Macon, Georgia. I'm from like, Marietta, Roswell, Alpharetta. It's like North Atlanta suburbs.
0: Parade vibes.
1: Yes. Yes. Parade vibes. <laughs> Not something i'm proud of in my georgia no. heritage but. <laughs> the look on your face was so funny oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was it in georgia when you realized you loved to perform i mean we mentioned earlier you were this Phenomenal tenor. I'm so curious about when you figured out you could sing, act, do the whole thing. We call it Ring of Keys on our show because we like to think of it as maybe a moment when you were experiencing something and the light switch flicked on, you recognized yourself in the art and thought, you know what, I need to be a part of that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, music came first. I came from a... I come from a very musical family. My mom's side of the family, her dad played guitar. He was like a Hank Williams aficionado. He like dressed like him sounded like him played guitar like him. So and and they had my mom had four sisters and a brother. Five sisters, four sisters, and a brother, and they all like were in a family band. And then when I was growing up, my family went to church, and my dad played guitar and sang, and my mom sang. So they were sort of like the lead of the worship team, as we called it. So I just like grew up singing and grew up around music. And um, it's like I couldn't even tell you what's the moment that I like learned to sing or started mm-hmm. to sing because it was just. It was just always in my life. But theater came when my, it was like, I was trying out sports and stuff and I didn't really like sports. I was getting kind of sick of church. <laughs> And my, my, my little sister at the time got a part in our local community theater in The Miracle Worker. And people were, um, schools were like reading that book at the time. So she got to leave school and go be in this play. And I was like, what's that all about? That sounds fun. And so I went and saw her do that there and there was just something about the place that i was like oh this is like i don't know this is like a magic place where you get to come play pretend and it smells like popcorn and there's a lot of fun people around here like so i started auditioning for shows there and um i got cast in my first show and i just like i never looked back and i guess like the main thing that inspired me or you know my ring of keys would be like the the people that were there that were my peers but even more so you know the local community theater actors who were like in their 20s and 30s at that time when i was like 10 years old i just thought they were the most amazing people i looked up to them i saw them like hitting each other with fake plywood boards on stage and i was like that looks so fun you know like making each other laugh and being seeing adults be silly up in front of other adults and everybody laughing and having a great time i was like this is cool and that's when i I just started i was there all the time and never looked back if i wasn't in the show i was selling popcorn i was painting the sets i was like trying to do everything i could to be there all the time and luckily my family was like super supportive of it they even started coming and being in some
0: of the shows as well so oh i love that what was like your your big role like that everybody knew Like that, that was your big breakout moment my gosh you're like i don't have enough fingers and toes to tell you <laughs> i
1: know <laughs> I know it was such a it was a slow burn. I mean, I must have done like 20 to 30 shows there. Anything from like Heidi, which would you know, like little 25 page Samuel French plays that were for kids you know it was like that because there were two theaters in this community theater called the Roswell Village Playhouse and one side they did sort of like you know adult shows and the other side they did the kids shows I I mean yeah I couldn't even tell you I I was just like I was just like a theater rat I was just there all the time so I, I don't know that there was like a singular moment that tipped it over I was just like in everything
0: it's just part of you and that that was probably a great education too
1: yeah yeah it was so much fun and and again like going back to those those role models that i had there they it was you know one of the few places where like the adults treated me with respect and they were taking me under their wing and being like oh yeah i'll show you how to like put a bullet hole on your head (laughs) That's if if you're into that, Andrew. I'll show you how to like paint your face like an old man. Like like I remember we did um arsenic and old lace, and I was Mm -hmm. so psyched to play all the dead bodies because I was a kid and all the adults could pick me up and carry me around the stage. So like I was so excited to like paint on old man makeup and just like lay and be dead. (laughs) And you know they'd put me in a window box, sit like inside of a window seat, and he'd sit down on the seat, and I'd because I had learned all the trickery from them, I'd start like pushing on the bottom of the seat a little bit. So like mm-hmm. mess with my fellow actors, you know? It was oh, just, I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the cheeky, cheeky fun, you know?
0: Definitely. And that's what keeps you probably going to this day. I mean, like you probably have so much cheeky fun and shocked. Oh, yeah. What's the stage project you've worked on that you look back on with the most fondness?
1: I mean, Robert Bridegroom was really special. Alex Timbers, amazing director, needless to say. But you know he's so good at putting together a really great fun group that that's what we had and it was a very ensemble-based piece. We were all pretty, pretty much out on stage the whole time. That's like very much my vibe. I love that kind of theater, and I really like dug my heels into that kind of theater with this theater company Nihai. The woman who ran Nihai Theater Company brought me over to do Umbrellas of Cherbourg, that West End show.
0: Okay. Which is based on that beloved film, right?
1: Yes, Jacques- Okay. Jacques Demy. Oh my gosh, it's been too long. And Michelle Lebron. Uh, wrote the music, but yeah, the the film is amazing. Young Girls of Rochefort too. But it's the same team that did okay. that.
0: Oh, okay. But yeah,
1: she was. That's a good story. She was. Uh, Brief Encounter was her show that was coming to Broadway to Studio Fifty Four, and I was auditioning for that, and I I didn't get the part. But as as the casting director told it, I left the room, and she was like, "I just love him, but I can't." Use him for this, he's not right for this part in this show. And he was like, Well, you know, he's your gee, which was the the character in uh, Umbrellas of Sherborne. She was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. And then I just couldn't believe it that this woman, Emma Rice, I love her, spent the next month trying to get me over to London. This like no name <laughs> young actor. She was like, What she would talk to me, she'd be like, Okay, well, I'm going to come to New York and we're going to make your audition tape together. She's like, Because you have the part already in my eyes, I have to like convince the producers. So the, the director of the show came and like made the perfect tape with me. And then she was like, Well, I have to audition other people for the part in London, they're telling me, so I'm gonna do that. And I'll let you know what happens. And she's like, just still thinking of you. And then they just like made it work. And and, and from there, she came from this theater company, the high theater company. So after that show, closed, that show didn't wasn't really a success. It was like ran for like three months. But then after that, she found a way to keep getting me these migrant worker visas. And I would go over to London and we would make shows together and then we'd tour them around the UK and we'd tour them in the States to like Berkeley rep and the Guthrie and Chicago Shakespeare and all these cool institutions. And it was like, I ran away with the circus for four or five years.
0: That is so cool. Yeah, when was that?
1: That was after Burnt Part Boys and sort of after Warhorse Horse it really picked up like I had done one or two before Warhorse, and then when I did Warhorse for a year and that closed and then I did this show called The Wild Bride with them and I toured that like we did that at St. Ann's Warehouse here and we toured that around a few places in the States and then it just really picked up and I started doing a lot of shows with them making them in Cornwall, England, they have all these like renovated barns on the cliffs by the sea. So, you know, you start every, wow. it's like true, like commune company-led living. You wake up together, you eat together, you go for runs on the cliff in the morning together, and then you come back and like make art. It was really fun.
0: Wow, that sounds really special. Do you think that maybe you'll go to London with Shucked? I heard that they're planning a production over there, a return to the UK. <laughs> I know,
1: I'm so excited for Shucked that that's happening. I have no idea what the ins and out of that are. You know, I don't think they even know yet. Like, so yeah, time will tell.
0: Totally, I mean, I think I don't think interesting to see what uh london audiences think because it's such an american story
1: i know but you know they love to laugh at our
0: tropes i think they do <laughs> they do <laughs> for sure it's mutual with, with us and them i think yeah yeah <laughs> well we're sadly wrapping up this conversation andrew you're such a delight to chat with oh my yeah, gosh so many good Stories too. You really oh, do. I you. feel like we've, we've only scratched the surface, but we've got to say goodbye. Before we do, we end on a dose of drama, which is a little something that's on your mind, could be something you've been binge watching the drama in your heart, on your mind, something that happened to you today, something that's happening to you tonight. And I have a little drama to share a little audio drama, another podcast I want to plug. So this amazing podcast series called Finding Fire Island is dropping this summer, hosted by Jess X NYC, who hosts the popular reality New York queer podcast series Hot Takes and Deep Dives. Oh, you love that podcast. Love it. It's so good. Also a plug for that podcast as well. But this one's called Finding Fire Island, and it's a audio history of the Pines, Cherry Grove, queer culture, literally how it became this queer mecca and from, you know, when it started till today and it releases weekly, I think there's like five episodes out now, but highly recommend it. You know, you think of Fire Island to some, you may think of it as the Hulu film or as a, you know, gay sex fest, but it's so much more than that. It's about community and escape and really, really, really a fascinating podcast series. So Finding Fire Island, highly recommend. Wow, wow. Brave of you to plug not one, but two podcasts on our podcast. You're really spreading the love. I always <laughs> like to say there's enough room at the table, Dylan. That's true. That's very true. Dylan, do you have a dose of drama? It's also a, a podcast, I have to say. You're giving me a hard time and now you're doing one. I know I have finally fallen into the call her daddy realm. Um, <laughs> I don't know if have you ever heard of that podcast, Andrew. No,
1: I okay, like the this, sounds of
0: it. Yeah, it's this, <laughs> I do it's this too. hot woman named Alex Cooper, and she has these like raw conversations with the biggest celebrities and they like sit in this little studio in sweatpants and they, like they look like effortlessly cute and it's amazing. She really is able to get deep with them, but I heard it's because they get to approve every single question in advance. So, wow. so yeah, so that's how she, you know, she's never going to put the guests in a compromising or it's awkward. A good tactic. Place. Totally good. tactic. She does still get good stuff out of them though. Like she, yeah, I think, I think she pushes it as far as she can go. And then they yeah. uh, they might nix something, but like she was asking Gwyneth Paltrow about, you know, who is, who is better in the bed in bed. Um, you oh, know, wow. Brad, 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 yeah.
1: do you see that like really <laughs> yeah. juicy
0: stuff? So I think the celebs know it's a place they can safely be asked these questions and get sure. a fun answer, you know? So I want to be the call her daddy of theater podcasting. Boom. Let's do it, yeah, Don. Yeah. I know Andrew did have to approve the dose of drama question in advance. So yeah. We're on the right track here. I was kidding. <laughs> um, Andrew, do you have a dose of drama to take us home today?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean,
0: well, now that
1: drag race is over, I really need to find something to be watching or listening to or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I guess some um, my dose of dramas. I think I'm trying to start a band.
0: Ooh, I could see that for you.
1: Yeah, I mean there's been so many people now like approaching at the stage door and things like that being like where where's your band? Where where are your songs that you have out? And like, you know, I've always been a sort of like 90s campfire song guy, like I can do those jams.
0: Yeah, sort of, but a little Wonderwall.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um top of the list. Yeah. But um yeah, I've had like enough, you know, sort of fan type people ask me about it. And then also, you know, serious musician type people, like some of our Broadway musicians, some people that play on our show and, Ooh. you know, being around the sort of the Nashville types uh, because of Shucked, I'm sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to like take this opportunity to sort of, it's d- stepping out of my comfort zone and try something different and try, try doing that and see how it goes.
0: Wow. I see this for you. I love it. Would it be sort of like a a country influence to it? I mean, you are a Georgia boy at heart. Yeah. I mean, I think
1: the the best place would be to start with some sort of pop country vibes or folky or alternative and, you know, just say all the genres and then see a. And, and see where it goes, you know? I, yeah, there's this one person that I'm specifically talking to who's a very talented, skilled musician, and he is so passionate about it, and it, 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 it touches my heart. And I'm like, wow, you really believe in me, and you, ha- you can see this vision. So I'm trying to like get on board with him and, and see what that can be. Because I have been always craving something for the in-between times, you know? I'm mm-hmm. like so passionate about theater to a fault that when I don't have it, in my life, I sort of struggled to find something somewhere to put my, my passion and my energy. So I'm hoping maybe this will, this will be it.
0: Wow. Well, we will be the first to promote your, your new single whenever the Andrew Duran <laughs> band comes, comes to town. So. Thank you. Of course. It has been so nice to chat with you. This was so easy breezy. You're such a cool guy. Everything everyone has said about you is, is true, Andrew.
1: Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure to chat with you guys too.
0: Oh, oh thank you. Where thank can everybody you. follow you online?
1: Uh, on Instagram, I'm at Durandrew.
0: Great name.
1: Thank you. There's a little trick. Like, if you say my last name over and over again, it turns into my first name and vice yeah. versa. Say Duran, Duran, Durand, 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 and Durand, 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 you know. Okay?
0: <laughs> oh, how fun. <laughs> that is <I> can, <laughs> that don't is. Don't ask Wyatt. me
1: how I figured that out. I can't remember. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, everyone's got to follow you. And while they're following you, they should... Also follow us at The Drama Podcast. I'm at Connor McDowell and Dylan is at Dylan McDowell. That's right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check out our Patreon, all the information's below. Check out Andrew. Check out Shucked, of course. And Andrew, have a great vacation. You deserve it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama!